0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the Teacher Mindset Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping teachers out there and bringing them as much value as possible. I am your host, Marissa Hazen, And on today's episode, I'm so excited. We speak to Josh. He's a teacher in uh, Australia doing grade nine, and we focus on discussing the mental health of teachers, the mental health of students josh's uh involvement in the rise program which i found so interesting including his tips for high school and his advice to new teachers and lastly josh is going to give us his go-to when it gets when he needs to stay a little bit calm in the middle of the chaos all right without further ado let's get into it all right hey uh teachers and parents out there so this interview is for you If you are looking for ways to build leadership skills in your children or your students and you want to do it right. And maybe if you might be thinking of starting your own business, we have a little bit of that too. So today we are learning from Lorraine, Lorraine Hay-Connell, who has been highly focused on how to build leadership skills in teens. And Lorraine is a former teacher and owner of Peers Not Fears, which is a leadership program to help high school students build Uh, leadership skills in their students. So Lorraine, um, before we start, I just wanted to get your opinion on the leadership as one of the 21st century skills. And if, in case you're a listener and you don't know what the 21st century skills are, I like to sort of think of them as the skills that are are like non-academic in a way, so it's like critical thinking, creativity, leadership, um, initiative, uh, you know, understanding digital literacy, communication, collaboration, those sorts of things. So, why do you feel that leadership is one of the needed twenty-first century skills?
1: Well I think anybody who looks at where our society is right now can see that we are in dire need of strong leaders and um and why are we in that position where we need leaders that are strong and can make good decisions and can deal with the challenges that we're facing as a society and so for me what I did was I reflected on why is it that we're in such need for that and I looked at where are we developing those skills and I honestly came up with we're not we really are not like where if you all as listeners think for a minute where are we developing leadership skills where do you see this happening you know people are put into position they're given a title but where is the training even as teachers who you know like uh, are elevated into administration? Who are we elevating into those positions? Uh, You know, they're great teachers. Yes, but those are different positions. Where are we helping them make that transition and learn to lead a very different population? And so when I realized that we weren't doing it, that's when I decided that maybe there's a way that we can.
0: That is such a powerful answer because the amount of times that I hear about teachers struggling with their administration, and it makes complete sense that if you haven't been trained how to how to be a leader, then you're kind of winging it, right? You're doing what you think is is right, um, and I definitely agree that like there's a big difference between leadership and management. Right, you manage you. You are just telling someone what to do, but when you lead, you are actually helping empower someone. So I think that's like amazing. Um, okay, tell us the story of how you got here, how you got to this uh, this point from where you started. Well, I mean,
1: I think a lot of it starts with what happens when you are young, right? So I was a teenager, and I kind of thought I had some leadership qualities, but I didn't have a place to put them, right? I was on teens, I was mid-level kid, I wasn't popular. And at that point, and still pretty much is right now, a lot of the positions of leadership come from popularity. Yeah. And um and I was a teacher. I was a teacher for twenty about twenty years. And 10 years into teaching, I I really wanted more. You know, I loved what I was doing. I thought it was one of my favorite things that I ever could possibly do, but I wanted more. And I looked around at my options and like teaching was it. You know, there wasn't a ladder in teaching. Yeah, I could become an administrator, but like we just said, those are very different jobs. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay connected to kids and I saw really great teachers become administrators and lose that love, that connection that they had with students. Um, And then, so that was 10 years, then 15 years, I was offered an opportunity to work with student leaders. And that I found an immense passion. When I started working in that role, I loved seeing their growth. I loved empowering them. I loved everything about it. Except there were a couple of things that really opened my eyes to leadership. So I had these students who got these titles. They were called student leaders, right? Peer leaders. And we gave these kids this title, which elevated them to a really pretty high social status. and teachers trusted them yeah. because they had that title. Maybe they didn't earn that trust or maybe they did, but because they had that title, they automatically were, were put on what I describe a pedestal. And these kids were, because they were given this trust, they were given these roles, teachers looked to them to be the student leaders, obviously. Yeah. And, if they made mistakes, right? So maybe they didn't have a pass in the hallway. We didn't even think twice about it. If they came in late to my class, I never even questioned where they were. I yeah. just made the assumption they were doing good out there. So we allowed them to do these things and get away with things that, uh, like, experiences that other I did not believe the same thing for other kids, and so they. They earned that role, rightly so, but they also were given all of these accommodations that, you know, they didn't earn. Mm -hmm. And then when they made a mistake that was unforgivable, they were role models. So maybe they got caught doing something like being at a party that had alcohol or being caught at the wrong place at the wrong time. And there were things there that were not legal or anything of that kind of nature. We can all all imagine that student who made the wrong decision. Yeah. And the consequence for these student leaders was devastating. We've ripped the pedestal that we put them on. We've ripped it out from underneath them and we made an example out of them. And honestly, when I look back, I was part of that problem because they were role models. We wanted other kids to say, oh, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make that choice. It made sense. Except when you think about that child, that teenager that made the mistake that most teenagers make, we made it so that there was no path for them to recover and so while on the outside it seemed like we were doing a good thing for the masses we were really making a real negative impact on that one individual child they are still children right and they're yeah. they're going to make mistakes and we didn't let them know that mistakes are okay Some mistakes are worse than others, but here's how we're going to help you navigate this mistake. We didn't offer that to them. We just made it so.
0: Yeah, I was going to say like giving them the strategies to, okay, I made a mistake. Now people know about it. How do I move forward, right? How do I actually um, like take ownership of it and be like, it was a mistake and this is what I've learned.
1: Right, right. We didn't, we didn't even think about that part because it was so important to us as a community to make sure that other students knew that that was a big mistake and there are consequences to those mistakes. And so the other piece of, of this puzzle was that when those kind of things happened, other students did look at that and say, wow. Wow. They make that mistake and that's what happened to them. I make little tiny mistakes. There's no way that I could be a student leader because I know that I make mistakes. And so you give this impression that leaders are perfect. Leaders have to have a title, student leader, peer leader, whatever. And so the, the 90% of kids who aren't in those roles believe that they can't be leaders because there's no opportunity for them. Yeah. And so that's that's sort of where this started to evolve for me. And then I saw this gap. 90% of these kids were not getting this training. And the 10% that were really already had those skills. We were just enhancing them, which is great. But like yeah. 90% is a lot of people to not be developing skills with. And, and so peers, not fears is an opportunity for me to work with all students, regardless of their age, their gender, their economic status, their titles, their grades, (laughs) grades, right? their their popularity status. It's a way for me to reach any student and say to them, and say to everybody listening, the only requirement, please hear me, the only requirement to being a leader is that you make decisions. None of those other things that we talk about leaders having, those are all qualities of leaders. Every one of those qualities is something that you can work to get better at. But the requirement is that you make decisions. And you're listening to this podcast. So you've already made a decision. So sorry, not sorry. We are already (laughs) leaders.
0: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And I definitely think that people um, underestimate their own power as a leader and just leading by example, you don't have to be the the most vocal person in the room to be the leader. Right. And I think that's why that 90% kind of gets lost because we're taught, oh, you have to have these qualities, but it's actually not a box, right? You have to be outside of the box a lot of the times to be a good leader. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's start with peers for fears. I just want to quickly start with the end in mind. I love the book, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of his chapters is all about starting with the end in mind. What is your end vision for peers, not fears?
1: I love that you're asking me that question because that's where it started. I was at a I was at a point in my life where I knew that I I couldn't stay in teaching, but I was like what else can I do? And I really if you are an educator, please know there are so many things that you are able and capable of doing as a teacher that yeah. if you Don't want to be a teacher anymore, that you can do lots of things. And I was not in that mindset at this moment of my time. You know, I was like, if I'm not a teacher, what else can I be? I had this devastating idea that if I left teaching, there was nothing else I could do. And that was so, so far from the truth. So, anyway, I was feeling very low and I was like, what can I do? And the end came to me as I want to create a system in which I'm training kids, teens, who then take what they've learned with me, train other kids with those skills, who then train other skills or other kids with those Mm -hmm. skills. So, So eventually there is a world full of trainers who may not be at their highest level, but they're working towards it. And they see that every time they work and they build those skills, they're getting better and that they can get better. And it's not this unachievable level of leadership that. right? Yeah. yeah. So my, my, my vision for peers, not fears is that the kids that I'm working with today are eventually the future trainers who are helping other programs develop or other teens develop these skills so that they can also live their lives knowing that they're their leaders.
0: Definitely. And I think having like that growth mindset, right? Within you to know that y- like you can develop yourself, developing yourself mm. is so underrated in schools. You know, yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, this program, it's going to help kids see, oh wow, like I can get better at things that aren't aren't sporty or aren't academic, right? There's other opportunities for me within myself and it gives them sort of that more that growth mindset which I think is so incredibly important. Um I wanted to ask you so at the beginning of starting your business, what was kind of like the biggest fear or challenge you faced and how did you get through it?
1: Uh, The biggest fear was leaving something that I had known my, for 20 years. Right. So I knew as a teacher, you know, like that beginning feeling of every year where you're like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you're back in it and you figure it out. Like that was every day for me. I had no idea what I was doing. And you mentioned like developing yourself. It was, it was every day something, I was learning something new. And I realized that when I was in that 10 year mark, I really needed that opportunity. I right. just wanted to continue to learn. I wanted to continue to grow. I loved, I, I really loved teaching And I really loved working with kids and I loved getting different kids every year, but it wasn't enough. It was this, it was still very same. And so now I'm doing something new every day. And in the beginning, I didn't have the confidence in myself that I could do it. Um, And so at the end of the day, like the end always came and I had done things and I had done new things and I had learned something new every single day sometimes I learned a lot of things <laughs> in a day. yeah it was it was feeling that energy of learning something new that was both scary and exciting at the same time
0: yeah that's such a great such a great answer and I think as teachers you know we do have that that fear of of moving out and with our identity, especially like our identity is so tied up in being a teacher. Right. And, you know, we don't always have that confidence. I was actually going to say, like, if, if I were a new teacher and I were coming to you and saying, okay, like, I can't do this teaching thing. I really need to, I really want to start my own business, but I'm scared. Is there any specific advice you would give me Um, just like, you know, just make sure about this or something like that? Honestly, my best
1: advice is join and start networking. Build your network because the people that you surround yourself with will encourage you. They will teach you. They will take you under their wings. You will feel that feeling that you provide students, right? Like as a teacher, I gave my students that confidence, that courage. I mean, I was teaching chemistry. And so for me, I had lots of fear in my classroom. I don't do math, very fixed mindsets. And I would envelop those kids and say to them, I know you can do it. Let me give you the resources. Let me guide you. And when I started networking, I found that with, and and for me, it was with other women and women who had taken that step and women who were struggling like I was. And they just cooked me and loved on me and helped me see that there were other things out there. I cannot stress how much having a very powerful network of people who support you can be. And if you don't have it in your school and you don't have it in your home, you can find it in other places. It is possible. Yeah.
0: I was, that's exactly what I was going to ask you because that's such a beautiful answer. Like, How so where did you find your network or like what ideas did you come up with to be like, okay, I've got to find these people? How am I gonna find them? Were they just around you or it
1: it was it was kind of I don't even know if I know exactly how it happened, but the woman when I was at that really low point in teaching a friend of mine connected me to a coach and I, you know, at that time in teaching, I didn't, I had, I had a stable job. I had enough money. I could afford a coach, but I didn't, I didn't want to invest in a coach. And then, you know, a year and a half later where I was like, I don't have enough money. I need a coach. You know, I was willing to invest at that point. It was just, she had linked me to something that was called Women's Business League. And there are lots of women networking groups out there. And and you just have to search women networking or networking groups and you can find them. Some of them are in person. Many of them now are virtual and yeah. you know maybe you don't get that intimate connection of a person on the like in person, but you still get a really great connection on I, I say I find both in person and virtual networking to be really, really valuable for me.
0: Absolutely, I and I mean, it's okay to start virtual, you, but you never know what then might approach within your hometown, right? And what nice. you say is so valuable, and I really want people to hear it because that that quote, "You are an average of your five closest friends," right? If you're if the people surrounding you have a negative mindset and don't feel like there's any room for growth, you, that is going to pull you down. You need to find those people that, lift will lift you up and have been in the position maybe you've been in and want to see you succeed and want to see you do well because that is such a powerful motivator that i think people sometimes forget so that is great advice i love that <laughs> i absolutely love that <laughs> yeah um anyways okay so when you uh when you first started did you just go out and um approach schools to um to implement this, uh, program to implement peers, not fears, or what was, yeah, what was the first step that you took?
1: Well, so the, the other really great thing about networking is that people put you in connection with other people who might be interested in what you're doing. And so what I first started doing was just really educating people on the problem. Like I, I don't know that there's a lot of people who really see that the problem that we don't have good leaders right now is that we're not training them. Mm. And so I really spent the better half of a year educating people around me that, that this is something that we need. And yeah, I would talk to lots of people. I got better at explaining what I was doing. You know, I wasn't I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do because um if the only requirement to being a leader is that you make a decision, well you're a leader then at less than a year and you're a leader for your entire life until you die. You know, that's a lot of people mm-hmm. that can be trained in developing leadership. And so I was all over the place. I was like, I can work with adults. I can help teachers. I can help. And and I found that my heart was that 13 to 18 age range. Okay, And so that's, I just started to really hone in on that high school age. And I, yeah, it's all about networking and making connections and finding out where it is that you
0: fit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I would I would definitely agree with that, right? Fine and finding your kind of niche, right? Which is great. I know I've done exactly that same thing, gone too broad. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you yeah. have to, it's so, it's so important that they say, you know, you need to niche down, you need to find like that sweet spot, that group of people that you want to help, that you know you can help. So that is great. Um, I want to focus a little bit on the teachers and the parents. So, um, yeah. first, like, just maybe walk us through the few, like, the first couple weeks of the program. Um, do you go in? Do you play games? Do you? How do you kind of get the kids involved?
1: Yeah, it's all of the work that I do stems from play and team building and activities because when we engage in that way. Our resistance, our um, defenses, they all come down a little bit because it's fun. Yeah. And when you're having fun, you're more willing to see things differently, try things a little bit. And so what I really, in my group coaching, which is virtual, that that's a little less game oriented. It's more like, let's talk about some of the things that you're struggling with and let's find ways to support that? And where can you find leadership in your communities and, and things like that? Um, But when I'm in a school, it is a lot of team building um, and learning from, honestly, when you play games, you make a lot of mistakes and mistakes aren't, aren't celebrated very well in our lives. Um, And if we go back to that example of putting that kid on the pedestal, that kid learned to hide mistakes. And I think there are a lot of young adults, adults who are very afraid of people knowing that they make mistakes. I mean, there's a there's a something out there where everybody's talking about recovering perfectionism or perfectionism, and that's a real thing and that I think is because we don't celebrate mistakes. We make them bad. Right? Yeah. If I think of any any school assessment, I'm either right or wrong. Yeah. I'm either good or bad. And there's no like, okay, you didn't get this. That that means we need to work on that. Let's let's embrace that. You know, it's like, okay, we got, we all got a hundred. Let's move on. You know, it's, it's so contrary to what life is all about because, and, and I know one of the things for me is that I really did think, I really, really honestly thought that if I tried harder, if I worked more, if I did it better, it could be perfect. I mean, I really, really thought that And, and because I thought that. I portrayed that image to the world. And so every student that was in my classroom saw me being perfect because I was playing that part. And so I was sending them that message that I believed that they too could or should be perfect. And that is one of my most solid regrets is that my my belief system translated into other young people.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, I read a quote just this morning that would fit that. It's, um, you know, I'm in South Africa, right? So I have a lot of um, Nelson Mandela quotes. And this one quote that I'd never Mm. seen from him came up and it was, um, I never fail. I either win or I learn. And I thought that was so powerful because that is the mindset that we have to instill in students these days is that it is not about failure with every failure it is a learning experience with every mistake it is like it is taking you down that path of life that is going to get you to that spot where you need to be in the future and you have to have these experiences in order to get there Right, and it's it's yeah. not something yeah. to be ashamed of or upset about. It's you know always to look at something as a learning um, a learning experience. So yeah, no, it's so so true. Um, how what advice would you give parents? I know you are um, a parent, and I'll actually start there. What what have your own children taught you about leadership, or maybe what have you taught them?
1: <laughs> well, and I think you know they will they often will rebuff me and say mom i'm not a leader i'm not a leader like you and it it really warms my heart because i'm like well you don't have to you don't have to be known as a leader so you know i think for the things that i work on with my own children is embracing their mistakes um they have made some pretty gnarly mistakes yeah. and <laughs> how do i react in that situation do i like, shut them out? Do I make them, you know, feel terrible? Or do I talk to them about how they might repair those mistakes? And what are their options? And what happens now? You know, and that, that is probably one of the hardest things, because in all the model of parenting that I have seen, or experienced, Mm -hmm. is that, when my children make mistakes, they have to suffer consequences. And so, again, when we take those pedestals, we put them on that pedestal. I mean, they're my children. I put them on a pedestal. And then when they make a mistake, if I'm ripping that pedestal out from underneath them, it's teaching them one really important thing, that mistakes aren't okay. And so I have to I have to check myself. I have to remember that they're their own person it's not me making that mistake and how do I help them because like I said earlier I don't want my children I don't want any child I don't want any person to think that perfection is possible yeah I agree and when I when I when I react in a way that doesn't allow the growth from a mistake, then it tells it sends that message that perfection is possible. And it really, truly is not.
0: So um, this kind of links into my next question about like, what advice would you give parents? So, of course, I think the first piece of advice you would give parents is, you know, let's reframe the way you look at mistakes. Um, But is there any other advice that you might give parents to help them develop leadership skills in their kids at home?
1: Well, number one, I want you to remember or know what I said earlier, that the only requirement to being a leader is that you make decisions. And as a parent, you are making decisions all the time for your kids. So you are the most important leader in their lives. The most important. So how do you handle mistakes? Do you... Mm. Accept responsibility when you make a mistake with your kid? Or do you feel like I don't want them to know that I make mistakes? Um, So that's one of the first things. And the other thing is um, judgment and curiosity cannot exist in the same place. So if you are finding that you are falling into a pattern of judgment, ask a question. Start with a question. Why did you make that choice, bud? Yeah. Why did you agree to go to that party? What were you thinking? How did you get there? What, what led you to think that that was okay? And ask those questions. And honestly, listen. Mm-hmm. Do not Do not predict their answer. Do not Think about what you're going to say in response. Listen, because if you listen and you are curious, that judgment that our kids feel from us all the time Mm -hmm. goes away. And the one thing you can do to build an incredible relationship with your child is to admit when you make a mistake because they know you're making mistakes they know.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. If,
1: admitting it, you are sending them a, such a strong message, but if you admit it, oh my goodness, does the guard come down? Does the relationship shift dramatically? If you have a strained relationship with your child, that is my best advice is take a moment and admit a mistake with them. Yeah. And And I think,
0: sorry. And I think if they ask you, well, why did you make that decision, mom? Then answer them. Right. So if they, if they do the same thing, they lead with curiosity rather than judgment, which I think is absolutely brilliant. We should put that on a t-shirt. Then uh, there's an idea for your merch, like moving forward (laughs) Um, that, you know, yeah, answer your your child. Like if they say, "Oh, well, why did you do it? Because you're teaching them the skills that they need to ask themselves, right? So now they can also ask you. And instead of like, "Oh, well, we don't have to talk about it," or "It doesn't matter," right? No, just okay. Let's talk about it. Let's, you know, I'm not. Yeah. I think I made that up. decision because yeah. of this, but <laughs> you know, right. So. Right, And that honesty
1: is so empowering on both ends of the spectrum. Your end as the parent, the child's end in seeing your reflection. Um, yeah, and I had one more thought, and I, and I lost it, so oh, never sorry. mind.
0: If it, if it comes back, just like, yeah, just like it interrupt me and just like say it. Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, I do, I do remember. Uh, parents, you are a leader. But remember that leadership is something you can grow at, you can get better at. So even if you're like, wow, listening to this, I do a terrible job, you can get better every time you practice, right? And I say this a lot like, how do you get better at basketball? What do you do? You practice, you listen to a coach, you go, you do training. the same thing is true with leadership. The
0: same thing is true. You can get better. Absolutely. 100% have that growth mindset. And I mean, there's people out there who started, you know, huge parts of their lives at like 40, 50, 60, 70. So they're, you know, never think that you're, you're stagnant in that one place. Well, right. 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 You can always, you can always get better. Absolutely. Um Okay. Can you, I just want to go into the students for a sec. Can you give us an example of how to approach a student who is reluctant to become a leader, who kind of doesn't think they have it? Like, is there anything you'd say or how would you approach that student?
1: Well, I always start my programs with asking how many of you think you're leaders. And I ask them to close their eyes so that they're not influenced by the people around them. And And so I start at that point, and then I tell the entire room, again, the same thing, that the only requirement to being a leader is that you make a decision. And sorry, not sorry, you are a leader. And so I also tell them that a leader, the the reason decision making is the only requirement is because when you make a decision, you are taking yourself in a direction. Yeah. So even when you wake up in the morning and you hit snooze and you sleep through your alarm and you've made that decision and lots of people will tell you that was a bad decision, the only real person who knows if that was really bad is the person who made that decision. because. There is a cost and a benefit to every decision. And maybe the cost of not going to school didn't outweigh the benefit of catching up on the sleep so that you didn't get sick later. You know, it's like so many things are deemed right or wrong when in reality, they're not binary. There's a whole spectrum in between right and wrong. So if I am wrong, or if I'm, yeah, if I'm wrong, it doesn't mean I'm not right. Right. There's there's some variable in there. You're not completely wrong and you're not completely right. So you're somewhere on that spectrum. And if we make it binary, then there is no opportunity to grow.
0: Yeah. I was just going to, like, took the words right out of my, my head there. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. There is no um, room to grow. And I think we forget that the first person we lead is ourselves, right? Yes. We yes. we lead ourselves first before we lead anybody else. So learning from those decisions is, is so um, critical. Yeah, no, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, what activities have you noticed that the students enjoy the most? Oh my gosh. It's like taking them back to
1: elementary school and <laughs> these, these silly activities that get them moving. And all of a sudden they're laughing. And I was doing this this activity where you know one person leaves the room and we in the in the room we decide who's the one person and they're going to create the pattern and the pattern that person changes the pattern and the person coming in the room has to figure out who's changing the pattern and it's like so good (laughs) yeah and it's so fun and silly and then I you know I was working with a group of first and second graders yesterday and we were playing this This activity, I I call them activities because I'm so afraid that people are going to hear the word game and they're going to think like poo poo it. But they are games, right? And we were we were virtual and we were playing caught you peeking, right? So you close your eyes and you open them and you you look at one box on the screen and if that person in that box has their eyes open, you caught them peeking, and it was so fun and so silly. And then I stopped the game and I said, who can tell me what that was? how that had to do with leadership. And one kid said, well,
0: I had to be brave. Wow. That yes. is incredible. Especially like, so, such a young, a like, young child,
1: right? And I didn't, I didn't have that answer. Like I, and that's the other thing is that it's that reflection at the end where you ask those questions and you, you hear such amazing answers. Like I had a bunch of answers that I thought, but when that child said I had to be brave, I was like, <laughs> you're so right. You're so <laughs> Forget all of my other answers. Yes, that's the one. And it's so amazing that when we're playing games, we have to take risks. Yeah. we have, Like even in tag, you have to take yeah. a risk that you might get tugged. And no, when you 100%. take
0: risks,
1: that's where you're growing. You know, if we're in our comfort zone and we're hiding in the back, you know, we're comfortable,
0: but we're not having fun. Yeah. We're not like necessarily living out our purpose either, right? If we don't take those risks um, because we we need to, we need to have those risks. I think it's just kind of in our nature to really move forward, to move the needle forward. Um, and I was going to say, when it comes to games, right? Like there's a reason gaming is a billion dollar business, right? Because, <laughs> you know, anybody, if you call it a game, they're like, I'm in. <laughs> so I yeah. think it's great. I understand that whole concept of calling it an activity, believe me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, I'm like, oh, game, awesome. Like, I'm definitely going to try this. Yeah, I'm sure. in. Right. Yeah. And that that gets the buy-in for
1: kids is like, oh, we're going to work on leadership and play games? Yeah, let me, Yeah, <laughs> let me in it.
0: I was gonna ask with what you said. So I know you started off with high school. So how, like, um, so do you also bring the program into uh, primary schools as well? Well, the model that I use is
1: train the trainer. And once I realized that that's what I was doing, and I was doing that in my classroom in chemistry, right? Like I would train, the class. Then the class would pair off and they would train each other. Mm -hmm. Once I realized that that model and how powerful that model was, I can apply it to any age. And what really sold me that I could do it at any age was working with my nephew this summer. We played a game called Commitment um, and Playmio has a ton of these team building games. It's a really, really amazing resource. Um, and if you use my code, peers not fears, you get a discount. But Ooh, Playmio, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, so Planeo <laughs> is a resource of all of these team building games, and we were playing commitment, and it's just where kids are standing on a spot, and there's one person in the middle, and you have to switch spots, and the person in the middle is trying to steal the spots. He loved that game so much that when I went to visit him a couple months later, he asked me if I would bring the game so that he could teach his his neighbor friends. That's and so, so he taught it. I mean, I was standing right next to him and he explained it. I added a couple pieces and we played it at his, in his neighborhood. And then two weeks later, I got a text from my sister, his mom, yeah. who said that my nephew who is in first grade He had written out the rules to give to his teacher so that his teacher would teach it at school. And I was like, my heart
0: was like three times that day. (laughs) Oh, that's so beautiful. I know. I, I mean, that wasn't even me. And my heart's like expanding, just thinking of like, because it's the you know, you touch all these people just by doing it once, you you realize how many lives you're actually going to impact, right? That is, for, yes. oh, I love yes. that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um. Before we get to our final thoughts, I have one other question. So if you have students that ha- maybe have failed at something or something has gone wrong, are there any specific um self-talk uh sayings that you give them to sort of change it around like try to say this to yourself or say this to yourself um I think the thing
1: that I really try and share with kids because Mm -hmm. I didn't know this until about a year ago is that the voice in my head the person who is talking to me is not An abstract person, it's me. And so, whatever I'm saying in my head, like, oh, you're so terrible. Oh, you're never going to be good at this. That's me. I'm saying those things to myself. Why would would I say that to somebody else? Mm -hmm. Never, never in a million years would I ever say those things to somebody else. Then, why am I saying them to me? And so once I knew that it was me saying those mean things to myself, I felt like, oh, well, then I'm just going to say something else. I think that is the piece that we're missing. I don't need to give you the words to say, I need you to know that you're that voice. And there is no reason I would ever spend time with a person like that, I would never, I would never accept them as a friend. Yeah. I'd be like, you're so mean. I'm not going to hang out with you. And yet, yeah, I'm hanging out with them a hundred percent of the time. So if I wouldn't choose that person as a friend, pick a, pick a different way to be to yourself. And there's lots of books that I, there's a book that i listened to change your playlist and i can't remember the the um the author's name but he writes it with his daughter mm-hmm. and it's all about like is the thing you're saying to yourself is it helpful is it kind is it true and if it's if
0: any of those answers are no yeah then change change the playlist yeah yeah, that's a great way to look at it, change the playlist. Um, I know with me, I, I often will say to myself, okay, I could think that, but is there ev- any evidence to believe that's true? No. So how can I, so instead, I'm going to choose to think this, I'm going to choose to think that this is the the reaction that that person was really having, or this is, you know, what I really think about that. Yeah. Um, And so that is, yeah, that's brilliant. You're absolutely right. It is within us, right? We have to learn that skill for sure for ourselves. Um, Speaking of books, what is the best book you ever read? Listen, I can't put a book on
1: that. On that. I know. I think... I read so much. I think it's one of my favorite things to do. And the more I read, the more I learn. And and I love young adult, both nonfiction and fiction, because what I'm doing when I'm reading is I'm walking in shoes that I've never, ever experienced in my life. And for me... And for me, as a a leadership coach of teens, I encourage teens to read books in which they don't identify with the author or they don't identify with the main characters. Because when you can read, you can experience something that you would never experience. And that is how we build empathy. So I I just encourage you as parents to read young adult fiction and nonfiction. That's a good idea. Learn what it's like, learn what it's like to be a young adult who is non-binary, LGBTQ. Learn about a kid who doesn't look like you. Learn about a kid who's struggling with mental health, because then you can see other people's experiences. And maybe you might see something in your own child that you didn't see before. And now you have some empathy for it. Yeah. I love your question. I just don't have <laughs> a book that I can put on that. That's okay.
0: <laughs> I love a reader. I was also a reader. So that's great advice. Absolutely. Because there are a lot of books about young adults right now, and that will help you understand those people and what they're like, young adults and what they're going through for sure. Um, tell us about your Facebook group and if there's any other places that uh, people can find you online. So um, if they want to connect with you to implement this program. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. So my website is peers not fears. So www.peers not dash not fears. Um, I am on Instagram at peers not fears. TikTok. Very. I'm trying to be more present on TikTok, but it's a it's a weird place to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then my Facebook group is for parents, and yeah, I had no idea how wonderful it would be to be in a group helping parents, empowering parents, growing leadership within parents to help their own kids. It's called Leadership for Our Kids. And every Sunday I post an activity that you can do, that you can ask your teen to do, that you can ask your, I I say, you know, because... Leadership starts when you make a decision. So if you're a a parent with growing a baby inside of you, like join that group. If you're a parent of adult children, join that group because you don't know what you're going to learn about yourself and your kids. And there's so much. And I love it. I love it so much. And when people are posting and they're asking questions or they're responding, you know, I posted today, let's talk about consent. Where do you practice consent? And it really stemmed from this idea that we say, you know, like you should be practicing consent in the bedroom. Well, if we're not practicing consent anywhere else in our life, then it's going to be really hard to do it in the bedroom. Mm. And I also realized that it is way easier to say yes to something in the beginning than it is to say no
0: in the middle. Uh, Right. Because you've already given the consent essentially. Right. So then you have to start off that way. Yeah, no, that's great. And even for, I think teachers would, would benefit from a Facebook like that too. Right. Because it's, uh, it's uh, things you maybe wouldn't have thought about with your own students so definitely, we're going to put all of that in the show notes for sure. So now my, my three final um, questions, okay? Um, so number one, because I, I focus on mindset um, with my, my mindset coaching, is what is the one thing you do to keep calm when things get chaotic?
1: It's a practice that yeah. I have to do before things get out of control. So it's, I have to get into my mindfulness more and more often so that when things become chaotic or energized i don't fall into that trap i was very much a reactionary parent and you know a, a quick yeller and and now that i have been proactive in my mindfulness in my meditation I, I find that I'm less likely to jump into that chaotic emotional stance that I would usually go to prior to. A hundred
0: percent meditation, I think changed everything for me. It's incredible how much calmer I am. Um, Okay. How do you move yourself when you find yourself in a negative mindset? How do you move yourself from a negative mindset to a positive mindset? Well, that's
1: really hard, and I think that's probably something that we all struggle with on a daily basis. And I was just doing something yesterday where I realized that my my most common negative thought for myself is that I'm not worthy. Um, it comes back to the perfectionism and everything. And I was doing a reflection yesterday about that feeling, and what I realized is that that negative thing that has been present in my life for my entire life has actually become my superpower. So my mistakes, my flaws, all of that makes me the coach that I am with these teens because I know that I make mistakes and I have felt unworthy and I struggle with that It is now my superpower. And so when I start to get into that mindset of like, oh, I'm just not good enough, I remember that all of that has made me the person that I am today.
0: Amazing. Yeah. That I think that is incredibly powerful. I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people who maybe have never seen it that way. So that's, yeah, amazing. And lastly, what three things are you grateful for today?
1: Oh my gosh. I love when people ask about gratitude because gratitude helps you experience joy. And every day I practice gratitude. Um, I like to do it before I go to bed so that I can be grateful for all the things that have happened today. Um, so I am grateful. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day here in New Hampshire. The nice. snow is on the ground and it looks beautiful. Um, I am grateful for this opportunity. So so grateful. Me too. And, um, And I'm grateful for my delicious coffee this morning.
0: Oh, amazing! I love that. Yeah, I've I'm, I'm often grateful for my coffee as well. <laughs> <laughs> well um Lorraine thank you just so much I am actually so grateful that you came on the show today and I really just appreciate you for how you are helping young people learn how to lead themselves learn how to lead others and I'm definitely confident that your um you know your hands are going to touch so many lives so I just really really appreciate it and yeah and I just really hope wish you an absolutely beautiful, uh, beautiful weekend, beautiful week ahead. And yeah. And I've joined your Facebook group now, so I'll be able to get some tips for leadership. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our interview with Lorraine today. I hope you learned as much as I did about leadership and instilling um, leadership strategies in your kids or your students. And definitely, if this video or podcast resonated with you, please like, subscribe, download. And if you're interested in uh, mindset coaching or specifically if you're a teacher and you'd like mindset coaching because maybe it's a bit challenging for you at the moment or even group coaching I offer as well. Uh, there is a link to my website in the show notes, and I would love to hear from you wishing you an absolutely beautiful day. Take care. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Just a quick reminder that it is for informational purposes only and nothing that was said should be. Uh, taken as medical advice. If you are um, finding difficulty with mental health or know someone who is, please, we encourage you to seek professional advice. Definitely. If you would like to go and check out my YouTube video of this podcast on teacher mindset, please do. And you could subscribe to my channel and, or you could also just like the podcast itself to push it further up in the algorithm. (laughs) All right. Wishing you a year filled with love, light, and laughter. Take care.